Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and we are presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use the glorious promo code PODCAST1. To get a 50% sign-up bonus today. He's the star of the show. I freely admit that. Evan Silva. At Evan Silva. I think he's the best fantasy football expert in the world. He's the boss over at Roto World. I love it. I love that he's actually a boss. And to hear from the people that work with him. That's always a blast. I'm the former NFL offensive lineman, Ross Tucker. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. The best way, by the way, or Instagram uh, or even Facebook, if you're an older person like me, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I always say the best way to know exactly as soon as the show is posted and ready for you guys, follow at RTF podcast on Twitter. That's Brian Neal, our producer. He's the one that edits it, posts it, and then posts on social media. So, boom, you know exactly when it is ready to rock and roll for you guys. And we are ready to rock and roll with yet another outstanding off-season podcast. Cannot wait to dive into it. You know, during the season, Evan, as you know, it's kind of a grind, right? Like getting through all the players, getting through the projections, getting through your take on the games. I provide some insight when I can that we really have a chance to kind of fine tune our skills, if you will, and learn more about fantasy football and how we can be better about it this offseason, how we can keep our knowledge growing, right? We all realize, Fran and I talked about this on the College Draft Podcast. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody has it all figured out. We are all constantly evolving, learning, etc. And we're all trying to, to keep the knowledge we have and gain more. Speaking of keeping, that's what I'm doing with keeps. It's the easiest, most affordable way to keep the hair you have. I just re-upped for another year. I can't remember what it was, like a hundred bucks or something. So worth it. To re-up for another year, you get both medicines. The topical medicine that you put on the top of your head that I used to take, you know, that you buy over the counter for years. And then you also get the pill that I used to have to go to the doctor to get and pick up at the pharmacy. Absolutely amazing. Five minutes. for fi- It takes you five minutes. It's a dollar a day. You'll never have to wear, worry about hair loss again. There's a reason why there are only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. They're not FDA-approved unless there's some scientific evidence that they work. Do what I've been doing for, as soon as I heard about Keeps, but I've been taking these two medicines 
for at least four or five years. Look, I'm on TV and stuff. I'm trying to keep my stuff. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash feast. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash feast. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash feast. Keeps, hair today, hair tomorrow. Second week in a row, we're having a Roto World star. I'm sensing a theme here, Evan. Last week, it was Hayden Winks. He was excellent. This week, it is Patrick Doherty at RotoPat on Twitter. I have been laughing at his tweets in a good way for years. I check out every year his coaching rankings, among others. And in my mind probably because I read him a lot and see him on Twitter a lot. This is like the fifth time he's been on the Fantasy Feast, but I was just informed this is actually the first time, Pat, <laughs> we've actually had you on the Fantasy Feast. Is that right? It is correct. And uh, I just want to thank, you know, the, you guys are the two busiest guys in football, I would say. And I want to thank the two busiest guys in football for having on the 90th busiest guy in football. Uh, to the podcast, so uh, I start. I just figured I start off a terrible joke. That's what I should do everywhere. Um, <laughs> it, it really is my pleasure, though. No, uh, Pat. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. As always, I like to get started just to know a little bit more about you. What's your background? What? Where do you live? And and how did you get the Roto World gig? Um, I live in St. Louis. Uh, unlike Evan, I still live in St. Louis. Um, Evan is also from St. Louis, for those who don't know. Uh, I'll try a short story. Uh, sports fanatic my entire life, since like the age of like five. Uh, always wanted to be a writer. Went to the Missouri Journalism School. Um, got a job with a fantasy company right out of college uh, called Fanball, which was defunct for a while and is now back doing AAF daily fantasy football. Uh, so Fanball is back. Uh, but Fanball went out of business, but through a friend of a friend of a friend, I knew Evan. Uh, we were in a fantasy baseball league together. Uh, that's another dark Evan secret he doesn't want people to know, is that he, he used to kind of follow baseball. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, of all places, I met Evan Silva in a fantasy baseball league. So needed a job, uh, happened to have the right kind of resume, uh, Send him a quick email, and I, I think I was working for Roto World like literally like 36 hours later. I uh, never did an interview, um, never uh, did really anything formal. Just kind of hit the ground running, and uh, rest is history. That's amazing. By the way, that reminds me. I got to get the audio of it. I'm writing this down right now and send it to you. Uh, Kyler Murray at the combine was uh, was on Sirius XM NFL Radio. One of my employers. And was asked about, you know, football over baseball. And he's like, well, you know, baseball, sometimes you're just kind of standing there for a long time. (laughs) It was was amazing. He's like, he's like, and if your pitcher isn't really having a good go of it, you might just be there for like hours. Like it, it was like, it was so funny because it was exactly how I look at baseball as opposed to football. So to hear a guy that was a top 10 major league player be like, yeah, you know, 
sometimes you're just kind of standing there in the outfield for a long time. <laughs> it was, it was absolutely hilarious. So you just reminded me of that with your baseball reference, Pat. By the way, I have a bone to pick with you, Pat. First of all, I have a bone to pick that you've never been on the show before. And I think I already said, check him out at Roto Pat. Secondly, I have a bone to pick because I was reading your column, uh, Goal Line Stand, NFL's Best Coaches 2019. It's at the top of your Twitter handle or your Twitter page. It's a pinned tweet. So I consider myself a decently well-read guy, um, and I go in there, and this rarely happens to me. In the first paragraph, you had a word. I've never seen in my entire life. In really? my entire life. Do you know without looking, Pat, do you know what word it is? Um a tour? Boom. A tour. <laughs> a U T E U R S. Auteurs. Have you ever heard of that word before, Evan? No. <laughs> what? Okay. Are you serious? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, All right, serious. so we already know before we even start asking questions on on the podcast that Pat is one of those schmoes in life that uses words that other people don't know to make himself feel more intelligent or better and make me have to Google real quick, auteur. I mean, I had an idea what it was, but to make sure... A, how to pronounce it when I busted your balls about it, but B, to also make sure, was an auteur is a filmmaker whose personal influence and artistic control over a movie are so great that the filmmaker is regarded as the author of the movie. Which, by the way, is the wrong context because none of these dudes are actually filmmakers. They're football coaches. But I digress. So, anyway, just wanted to bust your chops on that. Evan, why do we have your boy on here? Why is this? Why are his coaching rankings important from a fantasy football perspective, or are they not at all? And you just like Pat, and you like the article, and wanted to talk about it. Well, first of all, um, one of the aspects that of the story of how Roto Pat really got on with Roto World, he left out is that he's like a really good writer. So in this fantasy baseball league, it was a very intense fantasy baseball league. And people, and he was like the new guy for a while. So, and he didn't go to like our high school. It was more of like a, it became like a St. Louis league, but it started out just our high school. So people would, would kind of give him crap as the new guy, you know, but he would also always write these really well-written responses. And he just kind of like broke us down and like, he, he just became like, you know, one of us, you know, and he, but he was like a really good writer and that really stood out. And so to me, he was like an easy guy to bring on at Roto World. And ever since the moment that he was hired at Roto World, he was the best writer on our team. You know, so that's not I me. Mean, you are. But uh, I <laughs> no, no, you, you are. <laughs> and that's why these like rank these coaching rankings, you know, it's the rankings of the coaches. And we're going to talk about the rankings of the coaches. And he also does a, a GM ranking. You know, it's what is important to me as a reader and, you know, as like the, the technical editor, I don't edit his art, his article, because he doesn't need any editing, but is the writing, you know, that that's what's most important to me is the writing in the article. And he just crushes it like more, more so than the rankings. I know that a lot of 
people just go through and, you know, look at the rankings like, why is Mike Tomlin number seven? And we're going to get to that. But, <laughs> um, you know, to me, I just I would rather just read what Rotopat writes. And, you know, that's really what what you want to I think that's what you want to focus on. But let's hey, let's start with the rankings. First of all, Rotopat, you have Bill Belichick at number one. You know, I think it's an Agonized easy call. Over that. Do you think that he's just in a tier unto himself? Or do you think that Andy Reid and, you know, the, the couple of guys that you have below him are kind of close? No, yeah, Belichick, he's not just in a tier, like, unto himself, like, now. I mean, you could argue he's in a tier unto himself uh, in all of NFL history. And uh, I've used an, another word, another huge fancy word I've used before for Bill Belichick is, yeah, he has basically no analog in the history of football. Just no one he can be compared to, whether it's this era. I mean, you can, he can be compared to maybe Paul Brown, uh, maybe Vince Lombardi. But those guys, you know, it's completely different league uh, before the merger, fewer teams, no cap. Uh, I think you could really argue that not just now is he a tier unto himself, but uh, throughout all of football history. I mean, to average, he's averaged 13 wins since 2003. I mean, can, is there any, can you think – there's got to be no one else in football history who has had a 15-year span – where they've averaged 13 wins. You know, they only played 14 games for a long time. But I mean, he, he's just done things. He's won 11.3% of the Super Bowls ever played. That's just as a head coach, not even <laughs> including what he did as Giants defensive coordinator. And uh, like, it's like I say in the article, these guys come and go. I mean, something I say in Belichick's write-up, like, it's not, it's not just hype. Like Andy Reid and Sean McVay, they're moving football forward. They're changing offensive football. They're changing where the NFL is going. But then we see in the Super Bowl, we see in the AFC Championship game. It's like nothing these nothing new will ever surprise Belichick. It's because he he's got like all of he's got like the whole blueprint for the game of football is like downloaded in his brain. And there's nothing you can do that he hasn't seen, or at least that he hasn't thought of. And yeah, he's he's a tear unto himself. Yeah, and I know that people hate to hear it, you know, because they kind of hate the Patriots. And I mean, I get it. Um, but I, I think yeah, that's it's exhausting. Put. I mean, uh, we're not used yeah. to someone doing this. And, mm-hmm. uh, even I get, I, I, I love watching. I have so much respect for Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, but he is a neutral observer. It gets exhausting the same team winning every year, but it's just, you can't, yeah, you can't deny what it is and it's historic and unprecedented and we'll probably never see it again. When I first started writing about football, I didn't like the Patriots. You know, I was, I, was a Rams fan from ages yeah. one through or not, not one, but ages like when I moved to St. Louis, like 11 through 18 or 11 through 20. And, you know, I didn't like the Patriots, but they just, they, they broke me down. I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know, I'm just to the point where I'm like, I just respect them, you know? Yeah. Bill, Bill Belichick's the first person in sports history. I was 15 when the Rams lost Super Bowl 36. And it was the first time in sports mm-hmm. history I was, genuinely speechless i was like in the truest sense of the word i was speechless the end of super bowl 36 like i could not talk and how stunned and upset i was and uh at least you know looking back at least it was one of the greatest to ever do it uh because yeah he's been he's been on a breaking hearts now for uh, uh two decades definitely definitely so do you think that any of these coaches kind of in the next year and i mean you know andy reed kind of doesn't count he's never won a super bowl but 
any of these younger coaches like Sean McVay, Doug Peterson, um, do you think that they like who who do you think is the likeliest to to comprise? Let's say Belichick's only got three or four years left. What do you think that could become the next tier of young coaches? We can even go, you know, way down the list. Like I think that, you know, Frank Reich, who you have at, uh, I believe, number 13 or number 14. I think that he could jump into that into that next tier. Who do you envision? Let's say, again, Belichick is gone in three to five years. Who is going to comprise the first tier after he's gone? First off, we know 88-year-old Bill Belichick will be winning a Super Bowl, so let's just not pretend that he's only got three to five years left. Um, well, this brings like the first, like the, basically the main quote-unquote controversy uh, surrounding my article on Twitter, which is uh, I had Sean McVay ahead of Doug Peterson, which I completely understand uh, if you would have Doug Peterson ahead of Sean McVay. But Eagles fans, uh, very upset about that. Uh, you know, been tweeting at me for two straight days about it. And like I said, it's a genuine debate. I'm not saying Sean McVay is like clearly a better coach than Doug Peterson or anything like that. And it's kind of what you alluded to in the intro. Like, uh, yeah, it's a rankings article. You need a rankings hook. People want the, I understand the rankings part's fun, but to me, the article is more about kind of just assessing or each coach is right now and kind of maybe where they could be going. And there's not much of a difference between what Sean McVay and Doug Peterson have accomplished so far. And there's really not much of a difference between the, really the quality, both genuinely elite coaches. But the reason I put, the reason I put McVay ahead of Doug Peterson, even though Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl, is just because more than any of these guys right now, and this is not a controversial opinion, but more than any of these guys right now, he's, you know, he's, got the best odds of being the next great one. You know, I think he could be different personalities, but I think he could be like the next Bill Walsh, you know, like there hasn't been a guy come into the NFL like this. And when was the last time a guy, a young coach, I mean, not a young coach, any coach took the league by storm the way Sean McVay has, you know, even Doug Peterson needed his second season. I mean, Sean McVay has won 11 and 13 games, scored 478 and 527 points. I mean, this guy is 33 his first two years in the league, that's what he did. Uh, had a home playoff game as a rookie coach, makes a Super Bowl as a uh, second-year coach. He's doing this with Jared Goff, you know, a guy a lot of us people still might not even be ready to call like a star quarterback. It's just we I don't know if we've ever seen anything like Sean McVay as a young coach. So if saying we've never seen anything like Bill Belichick as a young coach, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like Sean McVay. And, yeah, I think if anyone is going to be the heir apparent to Bill Belichick right now, you have to say it's Sean McVay. Love it. So let's talk about Mike Tomlin because, you know, you've got him at number seven. Tough. And I think that that's another controversial one. Um, I really go back and forth on him because it's hard to argue, you know, against the the record. He's got a, a great record all time. But you also look at, I mean, I feel like they've underachieved. And now we've reached an off season where it seems like Everything is just, you know, in 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 a, a state of combustion. And, you know, where do you kind of stand on, on Mike Tomlin? Why? How did you arrive at the ranking of number seven, and how would you defend it? Yeah, I mean, with Mike Tomlin, it's kind of every year. I can't decide if my ranking is disrespectful to Mike Tomlin or like too generous to Mike Tomlin. And it's just become at a certain point, you know, you can't you can't just. So we know Mike Tomlin, Tomlin has issues. We know this team plays up and down at the competition, kind of notorious for doing that. 
uh, every single year. Uh, we know he struggles with game management. He's kind of one of the most notorious of that in the entire NFL. Um, you know, doesn't coordinate either side of the ball. Um, so there's like lots of like easy kind of nits to pick with Mike Tomlin. Lots of like tiny flaws you can find, but it's like how much can you ignore the record? You know, we know he has Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, you could argue you could put anyone in there and they could win these games. But, you know, they, they don't put anyone in there. They put Mike Tomlin in there. And most years they're winning 11, 12 games. You know, they missed the playoffs this year. Uh, they missed the playoffs this year with a 594 winning percentage, don't you know. So nine and six and one. And so you've got all these obvious issues, uh, easy arguments that they should be winning more games. But with guys like Mike Tomlin, it's just kind of hard – He's, he's one of those guys where it's kind of – got to kind of take it as an article of faith that there's something – there's some reason the Pittsburgh Steelers, this great football organization, are keeping Mike Tomlin around. And we see the flaws are very easy to see, but a lot of times, you know, strengths aren't as easy to see. And so – but like you said, even in the locker room this year, you know, kind of chaos. So he's just a guy where it's like you can't – so I have discounted the winning. He's probably got the second or third best winning percentage uh, in the NFL amongst all coaches, and I've got him seventh. So I've discounted it to agree. But he's just a guy where the honest answer, it's very tough to know where to put Mike Tomlin. But you can't – that guy, a guy who's won that many games, there's only so low you can put him essentially. So there's a newness factor to guys like Mike, Matt Nagy, and we're going to start to move into the, the middle tier of the rankings, the middle part of the rankings. There's a newness factor to guys like Matt Nagy and Frank Reich. And, you know, they're clearly like progressive, creative, offensive coaches. You have them behind guys like Ron Rivera and even Pete Carroll up at number five. And it's really hard to argue against like Pete Carroll's just track record of success because it's so sustained. I mean, they had a borderline dynasty going for a while they they're now now they're coming off another playoff season i still think they could have got more out of that team but um but it was also a team that a lot of people doubted before the season so uh, but you know you have the the young progressive coaches really both from the andy reed tree right there at number 12 and 13 behind guys like ron rivera behind guys like mike tomlin um you know and I, you've been doing this article for definitely over five years. So what yes. have you kind of learned over the years from doing this article that would lead you to, you know, not not be that that, you know, be in that opportunity opportunity? Because if I was going to do this ranking tomorrow without having having ever done this, this this article, like I would have Frank Reich like top five, you know, you, but you'd have you know, Reich one, yeah. Nagy, maybe two, Belichick three. Um, yeah, right, so. right. Uh, so first, a quick note on Pete Carroll. Uh, it's, a, it's probably a testament to Pete Carroll's coaching ability that he can t- he literally basically had a hand tied behind his back this year and still made the playoffs. Uh, very frustrating, obvious things he could have done in offense uh, to make his team much more dangerous. But probably speaks to his greatness as a coach that he can basically screw around and handicap his offense and still make the playoffs. Uh, speaking as to like where to put these young coaches, so like even last year I only had Sean McVay at number nine and it's very tempting to kind of go all in on these guys. Cause what, what Nagy did so impressive, what Reich did so impressive one in five 
would finish 10 and six, win a, win a road playoff game. Uh, just an amazing job, you know, amazing play caller, another kind of future of football type, even though he's 57. Um, but it kind of boils down to it's one season. Anyone can have one great season. Who's to say Matt Nagy's first season as head coach uh, won't be his best season as head coach. And he's another guy he's, he's going to have like, uh, so with regards to Nagy in particular, uh, he just had one of the best defenses of the decade. Uh, you know, that's not usually repeatable. And he just lost his defensive coordinator. And he did all this with a quarterback who could be Blake Bortles 2.0. You know, we have no idea if Mitchell Trubisky will actually be like a quote-unquote good NFL quarterback. And so it's just kind of like as impressive as those rookie seasons were. Anyone can have one good season. Uh, and then as frustrating as guys like Ron Rivera are, uh, he has bad seasons, but he has a lot of good seasons. And I think he's a great defensive football coach, even though his defense has been kind of shaky the past two or three years. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's recognized that he's going to more hybrid front. Uh, he's kind of, he's met Ron Rivera's kind of become like an introspective coach talking about the things he did wrong in 2018. So you have kind of like the annually frustrating guys like Mike Tomlin and Ron Rivera who win a lot, but do things that, you know, make you question whether or not they're actually a good coach, but the wins are still ultimately there. And then you have guys with like Matt Nagy who we have all these great projections for. But, yeah, anyone can have one good season. Uh, you know, if Matt Nagy – so if Matt Nagy then repeats, like, what he did next year, this year, then he immediately kind of comes on, like, a McVay-Doug Peterson tier. He'll be probably in the top five or six next year. But you just have to exercise a little caution because, yeah, they're not the first coaches to have great first years. And it's all about, as we know, uh, sustaining that success. So you just a little prudence, a little caution is always called for at the beginning. I think that that's fair. And it's worked for you over the years. So although you're going to get criticism for it, you know, including from me, um, I, I think that, you know, you, you've been in the trenches. And I have so been I, in the I coach ranking you, trenches. You know. It's hard out here. Brutal out here. Right. Right. Um, all right. So, true like middle teams here so kyle shanahan you know last year you had him at 14 you know that was a, a show of prudence i mean what they they finished what i think they won their last five games or they they finished really really strong they and did i think they were easily, five and oh didn't lose a start with jimmy garoppolo but finished six and ten so they had one win before that uh yeah yeah fair <laughs> enough but you could have fallen victim to that recency bias to the the shanahan name put him in the top 10 last year and, you know, maybe looked silly because they had another bad year, although they endured a lot of, you know, injury setbacks and, and all that. But he's now got two seasons under his belt as an NFL head coach. He's 10 and 22. So I, I think that this, this ranking might even be generous. I think that um, with Sean McDermott and he's kind of in the similar tier, you know, he's entering his third season with the Bills he is kind of overachieved in terms of his record. So, yeah. yeah. So what, what, just talk about these coaches that are kind of, kind of jammed in the middle here. I initially had McDermott ahead of Shanahan. I can't quite remember my reasoning for flipping them. Uh, like you said, with Shanahan, this is very generous. Uh, you know, 10, 10 career wins through two seasons. You know, that's not good, but Shanahan, kind of more maybe than any other ranking, is like pure projection still. We saw what he did with the Falcons. Uh, we saw what he did with the Redskins. 
saw we did with the Cleveland Browns as offensive coordinator. He's had success as a play caller coordinator everywhere he's been. Uh, he's had success even as a play caller and coordinator in San Francisco. I mean, he briefly made Nick Mullins like a two to three week sensation last year. Uh, he had three starting quarterbacks this year, and he set the single season tight end yardage record with George Kittle. So we know Mike Kyle Shanahan has like special traits, special qualities, and uh, so I'm still yeah he's more than any other ranking probably still projection and well 2018 was a total injury washout for the 49ers not just Jimmy Garoppolo just an offense a complete injury washout just like kind of insane you know Jarek McKinnon for the season every receiver hurt and Garoppolo so so Shanahan I, I've still I think he's shown just as not, especially because uh, you know not a talented team really in 2017 and all the injuries in 2018. And he still finished strong both years. He's gone seven and three in December. So to me, it's a, he's at least a coach who's kind of making uh, lemonade out of lemons, uh, kind of with these flawed teams the past few years. And I, I still have confidence Shanahan will get it going and kind of be the guy we think he's going to be. Uh, McDermott, it's I for some reason I kind of love Sean McDermott. I don't know why. At first, I was kind of a Sean McDermott truther, and uh, there's still like. A, Sean McDermott, a very, very questionable uh, general manager. I mean, I know he's not technically the GM. Uh, not, it's very uh, up for debate whether Sean McDermott deserves the personnel power uh, he has. But to me, if you're a head coach, uh, there's nothing wrong with being a CEO-style coach like John Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin. But for me, with a head coach, uh, I want them to at least take care of one side of the ball. Yeah, kind of like really, really like put their, their imprint, their stamp on their side of the ball. And usually it's easier to see with offensive coaches. But the Bills had some defensive inconsistencies, you know, of course, the past two years. But Sean McDermott's had some really, really impressive defensive game plans against some really impressive offenses. And I think Sean McDermott has he's shown he's going to at least take care of his side of the ball, which is like a huge, important first step for a head coach. And, you know, this stuff's kind of ineffable. He seems like a great leader, too. And I think if he can kind of get the personnel stuff sorted out, He'll be another really fast riser in the coach ranks. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where that question began, uh, Evan, but this is where I'm ending it. No, I just want to get you talking about the guys. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. Let's start talking about Jason Garrett at number 18 because this is a guy who catches a ton of flack. You know, a lot of flack. If you look at his record, I mean, he's what, 77 and 59? So, yeah, he's a better winning percentage than Ron Rivera, I just noticed. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is one of the things that you have to weigh when you're doing these rankings. You know, you, ha- you have these records right in front of you. You're, you're posting them in-, in bold black underneath the guy's name. And it doesn't make sense. You know, and-, and people think, I think, they think of Jason Garrett as like a bottom 10, maybe even bottom five NFL head coach. But you're looking at, but that doesn't, you can't, you can't like bury a dude who, you know, has a 566 winning percentage in the bottom five when you're doing coach rankings so why don't you just talk a little bit about jason garrett and we'll, we'll start moving to the guys um in, in the in the absolute bottom and then some of the newer guys yeah garrett i mean you could you could argue could be higher i don't think anyone would actually argue he could be higher and he's a tough guy yeah because he's won 56 percent of his games and almost 10 years as a head coach and so that would lead you to believe he's a good head coach but jason garrett is kind of well first off look at what the cowboys think of him uh they just won a playoff game only their third playoff game i believe of the new millennium under jerry jones and yet even the cowboys after winning this playoff game 
Uh, they're letting Jason Garrett be a lame duck coach this year. He's going into the final year of his contract. So, you know, it's not just people on Twitter. It's not just football writers who kind of think poorly of Jason Garrett. Uh, apparently even his own I – mean, they think poorly enough to keep him. So I guess they can't think that poorly of him. But even the Cowboys still appear skeptical of Jason Garrett. And with Garrett, you know, it's just kind of a question of what does he really do? Like you can ask that about kind of any of these CEO-style coaches. But, I mean, Jason Garrett, uh, he's – offensive guy who has not been allowed to call his own plays in years um he has he's being continually undermined by his owner you know jerry jones seemed like he controls the coaching staff a lot jerry jones seems like he decides who calls plays and it's just kind of it's just tough to discern what jason garrett even does and uh yeah i I think even the cowboys are at the point where they're kind of no longer sold on jason garrett otherwise they would be extend even they would at least give him a token extension there's lots of years where a coach is going into like a make or break year and they still give him like a token extension and jason garrett couldn't even get that so yeah but jason garrett is kind of one of the guys we we all know why he's here and it's because we don't really know uh what he does i mean i I think we know what he does he claps yes he claps he does chew gum now there's a lot of chewing gum Pete Carroll is the best gum chewer in NFL history uh John Fox very very underrated for his gum chewing but Jason Garrett is a quality gum chewer on the sideline too absolutely absolutely um all right so bottom tier guys Pat Shermer Ooh, you you have Pat Shermer at, at the bottom uh man I kind of feel bad for Pat Shermer because Pat Shermer is another guy who's I think he's more than we even realize. He's kind of at the at the behest at the you know at the the, the ownership is doing is doing more things than we realize with the Giants. And I mean, I think this even kind of goes for for Dave Gettleman. Um, these guys are kind of the shields for the ownership, and the, the ownership has a hand in what's going on much more than we even realize. But you also can't can't really make a great argument that Pat Shermer had a very good first year and you go back and look at what he did with the Browns I mean he was very lucky to get a a second chance as an NFL head coach Um, but in this bottom tier you got Doug Marone who did you know you want to talk about a guy who you could have had really high last year I mean and you kind of did you had him at 13 very yeah 13 all the way to 21 What, what where are you at right now on Doug Marone and talk a little bit about Shermer so yeah, Shermer, I would say I love the the new Twitter conspiracy theory that Mike Francesca is like secretly dictating all the Giants moves. It's honestly pretty plausible. Um, Pat Shermer, uh, so I've got him ranked as like the worst, quote unquote, of the returning coaches. Uh, Pat Shermer's probably not the worst coach in the NFL, uh, for all we know. Like, like, so kind of my point of the write up of Pat Shermer is that he's been set up to fail. I mean, with the Browns, his quarterbacks were. Colt McCoy, Seneca Wallace, Brandon Whedon, and Thaddeus Lewis. And now with the Giants, you know, he's kind of got the remains of Eli Manning. And uh, you could argue he even did his job last year. He kind of he got Eli Manning like a three- or four-year peak in his play, uh, career-high completion percentages most yards since 2015. But you know, he's, he's terrible roster, a bad offensive line, no pass rush, uh, kind of – like a upset star receiver in Odell Beckham and yeah, this decaying Eli Manning. And uh, he's won five. He's won. So with those bad setups, he's won four games, five games and five games as an NFL head coach. And uh, you know, maybe he's better than that, but he's a guy who's been set up to fail and uh, you know, likely will. And 
that's not fair, but that is the NFL. And uh, he's unfortunately a guy who's surprised it's never going to happen for him. Um, Doug Marone, Doug Marone's a weird one because I don't never quite know what to make of Doug Marone because he kind of overachieved with the Bills a little bit. Uh, you could argue he overachieved with the Jaguars last year. The Jaguars, you know, the defensive personnel, unbelievable, of course, last year and this year. Um, but, you know, he stuck with Nathaniel Hackett, who, as you know, you've talked about on Twitter a lot, Nathaniel Hackett would kind of dabble in good game plans occasionally. Like when Leonard Fournette was hurt, he would kind of call a better game than when Leonard, Leonard Fournette was healthy. But uh, Doug, most of time, Nathaniel Hackett called terrible games, and Doug Marone stood by him till late November. And Doug Marone's another guy. He's an offensive uh, he's an offensive coach, but he seeded his side of the ball, and it became a super uninspiring side of the ball. And, you know, his defense really underachieved this year. So he's another guy where he, he could be better than that, but just kind of based on what we've seen the past two years, uh, you kind of can't – you can know there's still promise there, but it's not like you can, like, jam him in and say he's, like, a top 12 or 13 coach in the NFL. All right. Let's jump into the new hires. Um, is there one of the new hires that stands out to you or maybe two that you're particularly excited about? I'm, I guess I'm probably the most excited about on the guy we have the least information about, arguably. We probably have the least information, I guess, on Zach Taylor. Um, but I'm probably the most excited about Freddie Kitchens. And maybe it's just because uh, he was so unknown, so out of nowhere, uh, only half a season as offensive coordinator. He hasn't had time to, like – develop flaws essentially but you know he did an amazing job calling games for baker mayfield in the offense last year after he took over and uh he he definitely quote unquote won the press conference uh you know in a league where you got guys all trying to imitate bill belichick and saying as little as possible that's that's not fair to bill belichick because bill belichick will expand like if you're talking about like nfl history or like punting strategy um, but you know, you got coaches trying to say nothing and Freddie kitchens is very comfortable kind of saying everything, just a great personality, clearly an infectious personality. One of the reasons, uh, he got the full-time job at the Browns despite such a limited resume. But I would say I'm most excited about Freddie kitchens is based on the work he did in half a season and kind of is based on this kind of old school NFL coach personality, a kind of personality that used to be common in sports. And now you just don't really see anymore. So very excited about Freddie Kitchens uh, amongst the eight new hires. And let's end on Zach Taylor because, man, this <laughs> team's set up for failure. I mean, can't get anybody to take the defensive coordinator job. You know, offers it to, like, every NFL lifer, Jack Del Rio, Dom Capers. These guys turn, it, turn the job down. You know, he's going into a situation where – I mean, they, you know, it's not like they don't have any talent in Cincinnati, but they've got a huge question mark at quarterback. You know, are they going, are they going to continue to embrace quarterback, quarterback purgatory? Some of their studs are starting to get a little bit older. AJ Green, Carlos Dunlap, you know, they've got some critical free agents. Their owner has been averse to spending money. I think it would would be a, a, an accurate way to put it. Um, so you need to have a special episode on that with Chris Wessling. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, um, but do you think that Zach Taylor has a shot here? I'm very concerned about Zach Taylor, and so the Bengals, despite the not spending money, uh, it's a pretty great place to land for a head coach. 
because as we know, Mike Brown, uh, legendary patience uh, as, a, as an owner, maybe that's changing as he enters his mid eighties, but you know, Mike Brown is legendary patience. And if Zach Taylor had early success, you know, he could really mat- quickly amass autonomy, kind of become like his own general manager type. And, you know, it, it's always pretty opaque there, like the, the front office structure, but I mean, clearly Marvin Lewis had a really big hand in that front office as head coach. So it's a great, arguably it's a pretty good spot for a head coach to land unless you want to be signing big free agents all the time, which won't be happening. But the Bengals, they're pretty good at player development, at least developing their own players. So it's a good spot from uh, that regard, but it seemed like the rest of the NFL was less impressed in the hiring. Cause like you said, uh, they get some real, real also rans try- interviewing for the defensive coordinator job. And they didn't want to work for Zach Taylor. And uh, maybe that's not a fair characterization, but you know, they interviewed guys like, like we were saying, like, uh, Jack Del Rio and Don Cap- Dom Capers, guys who should be desperate for a job, you would think, and they didn't want the job. And then uh, he hired uh, he hired the Bullygate offensive line coach. I mean, maybe that desperate for offensive line coaches that had to hire the guy from the the Jonathan Martin or Richie Incognito bullying scandals. That was a weird hire. And offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. Anytime you can hire Bill Callahan's son to be your offensive coordinator, you have to do it. And uh, so Zach Taylor. Uh, hired Bill Callahan's son to be his offensive coordinator. Maybe Brian Callahan's a good coach, but kind of just an out there hire, an unknown hire, and it's had a, a real rough go of it f- filling out his coaching staff. And, you know, that's the first kind of insight, first window you get into a guy's coaching ability. And for Zach Taylor, it was not good. So I am concerned. Pat, that was unbelievable. Really, really appreciate the time. I'm just curious. I asked Hayden last week about Evan as a boss, and <laughs> judging by the fact that Evan clearly was eating something at one point during the podcast <laughs> before he asked you the Zach Taylor question, what's his professionalism like in your opinion? And what were you eating, Evan? <laughs> it's breakfast time, man. <laughs> well, Ross, I'll say Evan Silva – this is not a joke answer. Evan Silva is probably the most intense human being I've ever met. Um, he's very, very intense. Very, very intense. But Evan's also a great leader. He's always been – he's like a – I wouldn't say he's a rah-rah leader, but he's not not a rah-rah leader. Uh, he's always set a – he sets he sets a tone here at Roto World. Um, he, Evan Silva is the gold standard, and he sets a tone. And uh, I don't know if he necessarily expects everyone to follow it because not – not everyone's capable of following it, but um, Evan, a very intense man with high expectations, but also a, a great guy. He's a great friend. So, yeah, he's a uh, he's the, the main the main word I would use is intense. And he's especially intense if you ever have a conversation with him after he's had a daddy soda or two. He gets <laughs> his, his intensity ratchets up. It's amazing. Evan, he does. Feel free to call but me, yeah. Evan, anytime when you're drinking because it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Pat, I thanks have, so much for coming on out, the show. Quote, unquote, out on the town with Evan Silva. So, yes, I can attest to that. There you go. Make sure you check out Pat on Twitter, at Rotopat. And really, like we said, go out there, Google Rotopat, Rotoworld, coach rankings, and make sure you read through the whole thing because it really is extremely well done. Pat, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ross. Seriously, my pleasure. Terrific work, Evan, as always. I love it. I can't get enough 
of these off-season podcasts. Maybe the off-season fantasy feast should be two a week as well. We'll see if the uh, if the numbers and the downloads warrant it. Remember, you guys can always help that just by giving us the retweets when Evan posts the show at Evan Silva when I post the show at Ross Tucker NFL Twitter or Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I told you earlier about Brian at RTF podcast. Very, very easy to retweet any of those and help us spread the word. Maybe we can even give some, some bonus episodes. Speaking of bonus, how about the 50% sign up bonus you get? over at betonline.ag when you use the glorious promo code PODCAST1. So you're ready to start to make some draft bets? Boom, betonline.ag. They're all over it with Kyler Murray and some of these other draft bets. You want to make some bets on conference championship week next week in basketball? Boom, they're all over that as well. BetOnline.ag, the promo code is PODCAST1. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed. That was fantastic, Evan. Terrific work. Uh, we'll be back next week. Big day for us, by the way. Wednesdays, holy crap, again this week. College draft with Fran Duffy going over the top running backs, which is vitally important for your uh, fantasy skills for next year, your fantasy team. Make sure you really know these rookie running backs. Even Money Podcast on what bets you should be placing this week with Steve Fezzik. And, of course, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast going in-depth on some of these next-gen stats, which are really, really cool. Other than that, though, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years, only now you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done, all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm.